We have a special guest today, Jose Joe Mir, who's written a book called Do the Basics Better, a sales guide for the small business owner. However, he's going to give us a lot of insights that really go into things. We have Skinder Derty, uh, Mike Sperduti, Scott Alexander here today with us. Uh, they're going to talk to Joe. Joe has been an experienced um, corporate selling in mainly healthcare for over 30 years and is currently a partner at Accelerant Consulting. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. It's great to be here, Barb. So why don't you tell us a little bit about why in the world did you write this book and how did you really approach it? And I know that you call it paying it forward. So tell us a little bit about that to kick us off. Yeah, so you know, um, one of the things that I've really enjoyed uh, working at Accelerant um, is, you know, my clients are, you know, small in nature. When you compare, when you know, I compare them to a Johnson and Johnson, that's a multi-billion-dollar company. So, you know, one of the benefits of working for a company like Johnson and Johnson for over twenty-five years uh, is that you you get to learn all the processes, whether it's a process on how you launch a product, whether it's a process on how you sell a product, whether you know it's the process for corporate accounts. So you get great training, um, not only on the job, but you work with a lot of professional people that you learn from. So I always kept good notes. And I, I felt that when I started working with these smaller companies, I realized that they didn't really have any processes for a lot of things that I already knew. So. I kind of didn't even know how much I knew until I found out, oh, not everybody knows, doesn't know this stuff. So I said, you know what? Um, and then I also uh, noticed that a lot of my clients never sold. You know, they maybe they were a doctor who came up with a, a unique, you know, pedicle screw idea or uh, it was someone who had worked in R&D or was an engineer. So I started realizing, you know, these folks don't really even have a sales background. So when I started asking them basic questions like, you know, oh, where's your business plan and who are you targeting and what's your value proposition and why are you different from the competitors? I realized, oh, my gosh, you know, uh, so I just took all the notes that I'd written over a, a period of time. And I said, I want to make it really basic because uh, I'm a basic person. I like to keep it simple. And I said, you know what, uh, I think I can help these folks. So that's kind of the impetus that I had to just provide them. And then the other piece was that I realized is that. You know, these small companies, sometimes they can't afford a VP of sales uh, or even a sales manager. So it's the frontline, you know, president or CEO or business development person doing these things. So I said, you know what, they need a, a little bit of like a toolkit. Uh, so at least this will get them started and it'll be a bridge till they get their sales grow enough that they can actually hire someone uh, to do these things that already has this experience. What were uh, what were some of the most basic basics that were overlooked like what were some of those first things that just jumped out at you uh you know that i do have a pen in hand so speak slowly Joe. <laughs> <laughs> please okay. take notes scott yeah, exactly <laughs> thanks thanks again appreciate yeah. it you know i think the first glaring <laughs> thing i see is a sales business plan right so you know uh, you know when you're starting you don't really you know, give yourself a quote or say, hey, we're going to grow this much. I mean, there everyone wants to be, let's say, a $10 million business. But how are you going to get there? And how long is it going to take you to get there? And who, you know, what are the resources you need to get there? Uh, you know, do you have a medical education plan? 
Uh, do you have a marketing plan? Uh, you know, do you even have a plan on how you're going to approach your customers and, and, and what type of salespeople do you need? Uh, you, you know, if you're, if you're starting out, uh, you know, do you want to get someone who's experienced that has a book of business or do you want to hire someone that's maybe doesn't have an experience you don't have to pay them that much, you know, just kind of your whole business plan and approach to the marketplace. So, you know, and then you would ask, I would ask them, so, you know, you know, what's your, what's your plan for next month or you know, what's your goals for next month? What's your forecast? Well, we don't have a forecast. So things that I used was just thought was second nature that you knew what your forecast was. You knew how much you wanted to grow and you knew how you were going to get there. And then how do you measure it? Then are you tracking this? Do you track it weekly? Do you track it monthly? Do you track how you're progressing towards your goals and your objectives? And, uh, and uh, when I started seeing all these no's, I'm like, oh, no, we don't have that. And I got a lot of blank stares. I said, hmm, well, you may want to think about those things. And then and I think the other glaring thing is, uh, you know, their value proposition. Um, so everybody thinks their widget is different and new and innovative. But realistically, you know, I always ask them the question, you know, if your company didn't exist, what would what would matter? What would change? And they say, oh, well, if they didn't exist, I go, well, there's 150 spine companies, you know, competing, you know, with the same product. So, you know, if you can't articulate, you know, very quickly why you're different, uh, you're going to have a tough time, you know, and I, Joe, I think I put, yeah, so. What's the reality of the, the businesses that you actually evaluate and look mm -hmm. to help where they actually have something innovative that really needs to exist versus what really they're just kidding themselves or their wishful thinking. And, and what's that process of bringing somebody to making that decision where I have something or I don't have something. Yeah. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, many times they bring us on after, you know, they, they kind of have their, their products already developed and ready to, you know, and already launched into the marketplace. So they come to us and say, Oh, you know, we need a contract here, but sometimes they let's back up. What makes you different? You know, how are you going to approach a value analysis committee with another pedicle screw? And, you know, I think where we can help them is, you know, some of the things that those groups look for, you know, do they have, uh, have they done some research, right? Do they have some, some studies or some data to support what they're saying? Uh, so if they don't have that data, then they need to get that data, right? Uh, are they doing a different approach? You know, for example, if it's minimally invasive, is it faster? Is it quicker? Does it, is it, will there be less blood loss? You know, will the patient have less pain? So there's a lot of different things that you can help them with, uh, that they can maybe, uh, position themselves differently. But, you know, unfortunately, most of the times, we, you know, when they hire us, they already have a book of business and they've already launched the products. So we kind of can't call their baby ugly uh immediately uh but there are some clients that approach us that you know we say no to just because there's no chance you don't have anything different and uh, you manufacture where uh you know so it, it's kind of you know i i probably turn away more clients after even just one call because they don't have a they don't have anything that's going to be different and it's just going to be uphill battle and you know, we, we don't want to waste their money or our time so mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic service to do for somebody is just 
educate them to where, you know, you're not special, go back to the drawing board and figure it out because you just don't want to waste people's time and money. Yeah. You know, and the, one of the quotes I have in the book is if, if you don't have a competitive advantage, don't compete. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's so true, but unfortunately, you know, everybody thinks their widgets different and, and many times it's coming from a, you know, a technical person, whether it be a surgeon or an engineer, uh, that maybe worked at another company and thinks, well, if I just, you know, shave off this edge, or if maybe if I, if I do, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, I make the product, uh, you know, easier to handle, or I change some instrumentation, it may, it may make a difference. And uh, yeah, it does. Uh, however, uh, you know, is it enough <laughs> to make someone want to change from what they're already doing? And, uh, you know, it, it, that's, that's the tough one. It, it's always unfortunate too because it's oftentimes after they've spent like their life savings and then you're like nah, yeah you know, you shouldn't have done right. that right yeah yeah but we ask you know when and that i always love to ask that question so, you know if you're if your company and your product didn't exist what would happen and that's when they start going "Ooh, yeah nothing nothing would happen <laughs> i'm like okay well that's right. you know and then but it gives you something to really think about and yeah. uh and then, you know, what, how can you make it different? You know, you know, cause it's not only product, you know, there's a lot of things, there's other things, right? There's service, uh, you know, you could be innovative of how, even how you package your products, you know, or how you package, uh, how you package your trays. Can you make them simpler, easier to sterilize? So there's a lot of things you can do uh, to be unique. Uh, but if you can't articulate it quickly, uh, then you need to work on that first. That's your, your first step before you even talk to a customer. I think that's so let's say they have. Go ahead, Mike. So, so, so let's say they have something, right? So you, you've evaluated this and now they have an innovation that they should be bringing to market, but they're technical. They've never sold before. What's the first hurdle after, what's the second hurdle after having the innovation? Yeah, so then it is developing the business plan, right? So let's say you have a product that is differentiated, or at least you, you, you feel pretty good that someone will see it and say, hmm, that's interesting. Then you need to find, uh, you know, the right channels to sell it through. So, you know, in in the industry that I spend a lot of time, which is spine and orth orthopedics, is, you know, you need to find the right business partners that already are talking, you know, to the clinicians that make these decisions. And, you know, uh, many times they don't know where to start or they kind of just say, well, we'll talk to anyone who shows interest so what, what I try to do is help them on the selection process, you know, to be a little bit picky in the beginning, start small and then build. And uh, but, you know, you have to be targeted. And that comes back to the business plan is, you know, you need to know who are the right business partners. Uh, you know, typically startup companies can't afford to hire a salesperson because they can't pay them. Uh, because they have to pay them basically on what they produce. It's very, it's very much a, at least you know the orthopedic is very much commission oriented. So you just can't, you don't have time, and most of these the time they don't have a big book of business. So mm -hmm. uh, they have to go through a business partner. You know, I don't like to call them distributors. I like to call them business partners because they are your partners. You will be successful if you choose the right business partners. And then once you get big enough, then you can start hiring some sales management and maybe some direct salespeople. But uh, at first, really, you have to write the, find the right business partner that already has sold into that market with the, your innovation. So, and plus, and they want to, and also the business partner has to know that it's a good value proposition too, because odds well, are that's they're, your, they're that's your first sale, 
Right. right. That's your first sale, right? If you have right. something and if you're looking for a distributor you, and they're a good name that's going to have the contacts you want, you have to make sure that they're sold because they're not going to do anything until they know that it's good for their customers. Exactly. Exactly. And and that may actually be the tougher sale. But once you find a who says, hey, that's cool. And, you know, all the distributors or business partners are looking for something innovative, too, because they're also going up against, you know, you know, 20, 30, 40 competitors. Mm-hmm. And they, they would they love it when they see something different. And they're like, oh, this would be different. Oh, it gives me something else to talk about besides yeah, you know, our price is a little higher or or we can beat it by 10%, that type of stuff. So they they actually, if you find a business partner, I'm working with a client right now that we uh, have, we have found them a, a nice business partner that does a lot of business. And they're like, hmm, yeah, yeah, I think I may be able to sell this. And we're like, so ex- really excited because this is a, a big player in the marketplace that said, hmm, we're interested. And if you get that from them, now you know you have something. So in your book, you made a comment about 42% of small businesses fail because there's really no market need. And I don't think yeah. it just applies to small businesses. No. I think uh, we've been in front of a lot of other medium to large size businesses who have the same issues. But one of the questions that I really wanted to ask you was, since you wrote the book and you have all your notes about the basic selling, is there anything different in 2023 since COVID and all that may be different that you might need to think about today that's a little bit different than some of the basics or twisting some of the basics? Yeah, you know, I think this whole digital era, right, has really changed selling, you know, the you know, the way we communicate with customers. And, and I do state that a little bit of that in the book, because I knew that, you know, what I'm writing is very basic, right? Uh, hence the name, right? Uh, however, uh, I, I don't think those things ever go away. But I think one of the things I talk about is when the approach to the market will always be changing. And you need to stay on top of that. So you have to be a constant learner, right? So you know, whether it's using LinkedIn or social media, uh, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, chat GPT, all these tools that are out there, you know, and I love to use that stuff. You know, I, I actually, before I, I majored in marketing, but I actually started off as a computer science major. And, you know, back in the day where you used COBOL and Fortran and, you know, you sat in these big rooms and, 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 and uh, so I was always interested in, in learning things and how things worked and figure things out. So I think that's how, selling is. And unfortunately, I think the business owners uh, of these companies, you know, that are, that are startups or, you know, kind of mid-level, they don't really like the selling aspect. You know, it's, you know, they get, they're, they're more into the design of the products, more into the building the surgeon relationships uh, and those type of things. But I still think the basics, but, but to your point, Barb is, I think it's always going to be changing and you have to stay on top of it on how to approach your customer. But, you know, uh, get your value prop right, have some differentiation, the other stuff you could figure out. And I think what you know, what you the basics that you talked about, even though they're basic and I think they're ground rules and fundamentals forever, they will never Mm -hmm. change. It'll just what's going to change is the way that you deliver that content. Yes. Yes. But structurally, your basics, what you're preaching whether it's going to be virtual reality or beyond mm-hmm. metaverse, 
uh, your basics are going to be incorporated within these delivery systems. Yeah, right on, right on point. And I think also, you know, I talk about the selling process, right? And, you know, if, if you were in sales, you probably read 100 books on different approaches to sales. And I was, again, keeping it basic. And what I try to do in the book is there was a couple of times when I was in sales calls with like an unbelievable sales call, right, with a salesperson. And, and I document that in the book where I said this was the perfect sales call. What happened? It all came down to planning, planning before the sales call, right? This person did their homework. You know, how many times will someone just call on a customer where they do a Zoom? You haven't even researched who that person is, where they went to school, who they know, what's their background, where have they worked? You know, I mean, that's a basic thing. If you don't do that, you know, I mean, there's, there's not a time that I don't research whoever customer I'm having a Zoom call on, right? So, so uh, you know, I, I write that because that perfect sales call has always lived in my memory. It's probably been about 20, it was probably 25 years ago or 20 years ago. I never forget how prepared this person was. And I, and I realized that because they were prepared, they probably cut the sales cycle, I'm going to say, by six months. Mm. Because they already had all the answers that the customer was going to ask them. Most people say, oh, I'll get back to you on that. Then you follow up. Oh, let's get back together. No, when this person was prepared and knew the needs prior and knew the background, they cut the sales cycle. So what if you could cut your sales cycle by six months or four months or three months? Nowadays, you know, uh, you know, we all know this. To close a contract, you're looking at a year, you know, if it's, if it's a big contract. So uh, the days of closing business the same day or the next week or that same month is tough. So you need to be prepared. And preparation is a basic thing that you think everyone does. But how many people actually prepare before they their sales call or their meeting that they've actually have notes? And uh, and, and that's, you know, and, and personally, I'm guilty as well. I mean, I, there's not I'm not 100 percent at the time, but I always remind myself that, hey, what prep did you do before? So, John, I would give you a famous quote about that. Uh, preparing, yeah. you know, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Yeah, I, that's a good, that's a great one. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think, every, you know, I write in my book too. I had a, I took a sales course at, at uh, in, in, in college and I remember the professor when I thought he was crazy, he goes, there's three reasons why salespeople fail. Lack of preparation, lack of preparation, lack of preparation. I said, <laughs> yeah. I said there's other things. Then I realized, you know, 20 years later, he was on point and he actually was a salesperson. He actually he was an adjunct professor who sold insurance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I think to this day he nailed it. And that was a long time ago. <laughs> One of the things that you said though, that, you know, I've been selling a long time. I've managed salespeople for a long time, but I never thought that preparation could cut the sales cycle to the extent that you're saying it will and just thinking about it logically, again, how basic that is, makes so much sense. So I think for every owner and sales manager, you just gave us a nice little gift there. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I try to do. Just put a couple pearls in there. You know, it's not rocket science, but it's, a, yeah. you know, I think uh, having worked with so many salespeople and seeing the ones that are really effective, uh, the, the prepared ones. And, you know, another thing I talk about in the book, too, uh, which is. You know, we did a study on 
uh, you know, salespeople uh, where, you know, we call them the high performers and the low, I don't think we used low performers, but maybe not as high performers. Right. And we kind of tried to measure the results, but also their activity. And what we found was that the higher performers actually called on less customers, uh, which, you know, we thought was, we thought that was kind of weird, but then uh, it kind of made sense, but they called them the right customers. And that meant that they did better job targeting. And then we also realized that because they were targeted and they called in a smaller number, they also knew the customers better. They knew more people inside the hospital systems. So they knew the, you know, the supply chain people, they knew central sterile people, they knew the people in the OR, they knew, I mean, they knew the janitors, right? Because they spent time. And we, we realized that it came down to really uh, targeting uh, and that's part of the planning. And these folks didn't waste time. And when we launched new products, these folks were always the high achievers because they knew exactly where to go, who would buy this stuff. They wouldn't waste their time or just talking to the people that were nice or friends. They knew it. So uh, that showed us that, again, it goes back to the targeting and the business planning were, were critical things uh, for the high performers. Is that trainable? So let's say that I'm a middle of the road rep and you realize that Scott's just equating activity to progress, which is all probably fairly accurate, right? Kind of par for the yeah. course, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Is that is that improvement in targeting something that's easily trainable? Absolutely. And, you know, and I mentioned that because and all of us who have been in a sales training program, we know how it works, right? You go there and you learn all about the products, right? And then you have your awards dinner or whatever. You do all these great things. And then at the end, they say, hey, well, these are your targets. Here's your commission plan. See you next year. Right. When did when where was the training about who to target and how to do that? So I was very fortunate uh, in my first training at Medical Device. It was uh, when I was at Baxter. We had a trainer who's a sales manager who's really good been around and and I call that chapter you know uh filling the holes mm -hmm. so he said here's all your accounts and here's the things they buy from you but here are the things they don't buy from you these are your top 20 accounts your job is to fill the holes right it's that simple so you know here are your accounts this is what they he goes start selling to the people that already buy from you stuff that they don't buy from you mm -hmm. Because that's easy. You, they already have buy-in. So now, of course, if you're a startup, that's tough because there's no one buying from you. But you could still, you know, know who's most likely. If you go to the busiest spine surgeon in the busiest hospital, your chances are slim. But what if you target the young guy in the practice? You know, the young guy who's number 15 in the practice, you know, and work on a young surgeon strategy, which is one of the things that we used to do, right? Is really target the younger folks because I go, you're not gonna get the big guy. The big guy, you know, probably already has, you know, preference, was trained with these products, been using them forever, will be tougher. So, you know, that's that's something that's coachable is, you know, what what's the low-hanging fruit? Teach them about the low-hanging fruit. Start there, build your confidence, and then and then work your way up. Right. It yes, I agree with you. I to add on to that, it feels to me like, because we do marketing, right? Like I run a marketing agency for medtech companies. And um, I think a lot of times people aren't looking at the long game of what you just described. Yes. 
Right. Because if you if you said, hey, we're going to go after the 15th guy um, in the practice, he's doing 30 knees, and then you've got yeah. the number one guy's doing 300, most people would say, well, that's crazy. Like, why would I not go after those 300? When the reality is you can get the guy that's doing 30, and next year he's going to do 45, yeah. and then you're yeah. after 60, and it's going to grow. And then, by the way, his peers, number 14 and number 13, are going to see – Oh, well, you know, Dr. Johnson is having so much success. And then so you pick up and you're just adding up into the practice and you can kind of grow that way as opposed to saying, I'm going to bang my head against convincing, yeah. you know, doctor soon to be retired that he needs to change his entire yeah. practice for my pedicle screw. And it's like, just it's just never going to happen. So Yeah. And, and it's funny you say that because that's exactly how it happens. So mm -hmm. you start working with some of these young guys and some of the top guys are like, Hey, like, why aren't you calling on me? Right. You know, hey, I'm I'm the head of the circus here, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, and and you realize that, oh, sorry, you know, I know you're busy, and then, but it's funny how that works. That happened, you know, often. Mm -hmm. uh, almost, you know, I I'm I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be ignored. I don't want to be ignored. So that you know, they they have that feeling that they're being ignored, but uh, it's yeah. not. It's, just a, it's a strategy to help, you know, the smaller folks, uh, you know, get some traction. Yeah. Well, it goes beyond that too. It's not just the surgeon, it's the hospital, it's the, the hospital. location, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're a small company going to the outskirts of West Virginia may be costly and expensive, but you know what? Start small, fail small, learn fast, right? Yeah. And so from that perspective, you're pretty much inoculated. You're going to fail, right? You're inevitably going to fail. You know, sales is just a scientific process of mm -hmm. consistent experiments. Let me see if this works. And if that doesn't, let me recalibrate and try again, you know? So, but too many people are like, oh man, I designed the best thing ever. I'm going after Mayo Clinic. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going <laughs> to bake everything on what Mayo says. Well, everybody and their mother wants to go after Mayo Clinic, you know, right. but you know what? There's probably another hospital two hours north a Mayo Clinic that nobody calls on, yeah, because nobody thinks of it, right? That's that 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 idea of aiming small, shooting small. You're gonna miss, but you're gonna miss small. And then yeah. when you do, when you are calibrated, that's the key. I think that's the way more companies need to be thinking. Mm -hmm. And, and so also from a, from a contracting perspective. So you know, I remember we sometimes we would develop these innovative contracts, right? That. uh Maybe we're maybe a little bit more risk sharing or had some rebate system. And then everybody went again, wanted to target the big health systems. And I remember saying, no, you know, everybody, we had this like top list. This is, you know, J and J. We know the who the top 300 IDNs are. Mm -hmm. I go, those IDNs have so many initiatives going on. You need to find the single hospital, the community hospital, you know, to do something innovative. Because in an IDN, you know, you may be dealing, you're dealing with multiple factors. Mm -hmm. So for something that's innovative, a little bit complicated that you want to learn, it's better to go to the single hospital versus a hospital or maybe a small system of three hospitals that maybe one of them is the main one that does 80% of the business, right? So even from an IDN strategy, I found that to be more effective than to try to go to the major health system that has, you know, 55 hospitals. You know, I'd rather go to one hospital and work with one person, there's probably a CEO there and a CFO there that's really interested in ways to save money, save time, more quality, whatever, uh, whatever your hot button is for them. Is, you know, as long as you can help them be more successful and 
and differentiate their so the, the you know so that's that's one of the other things the other Sorry. thing to that too is the amount of distractions right when you boil it down to the surgeon yeah. level everybody wants to be with the chief of surgery at mass gen that's fantastic the thing is the chief of surgery at mass gen spends 50 percent of his time doing admin work 25 percent yeah. speaking mm -hmm. circuit doing clinical trials and evaluating that so he's really only doing about 25 percent of trial of of clinical work like using actual devices now, if you're, you know, yeah, is that a nice person to be attracted to? Fantastic. But when you look at it, the other side, the everyman doctor, and I'm not putting anybody down, in Iowa general is doing 400 cases a month because they're focused. They don't have any administrative yeah. function. Yeah. They don't, they're not on the speaking circuit. They're not being asked to be at this conference and that conference as, as much. And now your barrier to entry is that much more. You can get that 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 failure out of the way faster, growth faster. But again, I think people are just caught in the lights. It's that you know, Mass Gen, Cleveland Clinic, Hopkins, Mayo Clinic. They're all the bug zappers. That's that's yeah. what they are. <laughs> the bug zappers that everybody's just attracted to. Everybody just flies right into them, gets zapped, failure, right? As opposed to going yeah. the other way. I mean, that goes to it goes back to the story and you guys have heard it a hundred times, Joe, you haven't. So I'll tell you the new um, mm -hmm. when we, we were launching a remote EKG um, for a company here in the U.S. And um, they wanted to go to Clean Clinic and Mayo and all the bug zappers that Skinner just mentioned. And um, we convinced them to, like, take a more democratic approach. And this was right when COVID's happening. It's like March or May 1st of 2020. And nobody knows what the heck's going on. And Cleveland Clinic and Mayo had were not engaged. But it was like private practice guys in West Des Moines, Iowa, that were buying these things on like a first call close. Like, I will take 10 of them today, ship them to me because they had the burning need. And it goes back to your point about you got to do your homework, right? And yeah. the truth of the matter is growing a medical technology is a, is a marathon, not a sprint. And so you need to think about and And the other thing is the dollars are all green, baby. Like the dollars yeah. are all green. <laughs> and so if you can get dollars out of West Des Moines, Iowa today, and you got to wait two years to get them out of Cleveland, I would suggest you go get what you can get today and use that to fund the growth and other things. So, Yeah. Well, considering you got to eat today. Right. Yeah. yeah. We were talking so, a little while ago about uh, cutting the sales cycle. So in your book, you also talk about how to close deals more likely with referrals. And you said about yeah. 10 times as much. So why don't you talk a little bit about how you get referrals, how you work referrals? Yeah, that to me is so critical, right? So it, it's as simple as, you know, you're going to reach out to someone, they don't know you. But you probably know someone hopefully that knows that person or someone who does. So being referred to me is, is, is critical, right? So if I don't know a customer uh, that my client wants me to reach out, the first thing I do is this is one of the advantages working at Acceleron. Does anyone know this person? And so, you know, Barbara say, yeah, I know that person. I used to work with them. I go, okay, would you mind introducing me? You're That's, 10 times, maybe even 100 times more. I say 10 times because I think I did I did do a little bit of research in my book uh, to back up some of the, the bike claims, right? But but honestly, that's that's a that's a game changer. If you're not doing that and you're reaching out, I mean, how many of us get 
are reached out to through LinkedIn, I'm constantly being sold things on LinkedIn. I'm like, I'm not your client. I'm not your customer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to buy a software, HR software system. Sorry, bud. But, you know, I, I, I think that's, that's critical. And, you know, referrals doesn't even only have to be from the industry. <clears throat> you know, referral can be from a family member, a neighbor, you know, and uh, you should always ask f- folks. And this is this is a business to business 101 training. So you hire someone from ADP or someone who sold copiers. They know this. That's why we love to hire these folks. Right. Of where they don't have experience. They know how to work referrals, you know, and if you're not using that uh, with LinkedIn now and with your own network or you're not building your network, then um, you're you know, you're you're trying to be the Lone Ranger and that's not going to work. It's so it, I mean, you want to talk about as basic as basic can get. Yeah. I, mean, I think we were talking. I think we were taught this when we were children, right? I mean, I remember my grandmother telling me, show me who your friends are. And that tells me who you are. Yeah. And so right, that. So if I if I tell you that, you know, one of my clients is GE or Thermo Fisher Scientific or highly reputable company, and I'm going after that market. Basically, that you're, you, you've built in credibility just by your referral. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other referral that I talk about, too, is. You know, I, I think I cite this example of, you know, you're, you're selling copiers, right? <clears throat> and, uh, but there's somebody else that's selling coffee to the same offices. Get together with the coffee guy. You know, tell him, hey, do you know anybody who's just moved into the building? And he may say, hey, do you know anybody that that doesn't even have a coffee maker? So, you know, there's people that are doing what you're doing. So if you're if you're in med device, then, you know, do you have uh, can you align yourself with someone who's in the same space, but doesn't compete directly with your product category together? And, uh, you know, I've seen this done in medical uh, often with successful salespeople that have been in their territories for a long time. Mm -hmm. They get help from the, their their reps, sometimes even from a competitor because the competitor can't help them. Like, hey, I don't really have the stuff. And just because they want to take care of the the not only the, the customer, but the they need. And you'll see that in the OR where, hey, you know what? There's a patient on the table who's got the stuff, right? So if you keep the, you know, if you do, if you keep your eyes and ears open, those folks can help you tremendously. So uh, thanks for bringing that up, Barb, because I think that's one of the critical things that I, that, uh, you know, is, is, is one of my passions is that, that use your referrals. You know? Well, along that referral spectrum, we talked about targeting, what I think referral does, and it's one of the most unappreciated aspects of sales, and that's qualifying, right? Yes. You right. Know, so referral is that you've already been qualified by somebody that they know trust, right? And conversely, exactly. targeting if you're targeting, but you're not qualifying, you've only gone through 50% of the process. I can't tell you how many people I talk to that are like, oh, I just had a great call. They're a great buy. No, no, yeah. they're not. You know, you're, yeah. it, I can tell by that call, we're just going to spin our wheels all yeah. day long, right? That you've right. got to be able to qualify real buyers. And that's what the referral does is it gives the buyer a chance to qualify you, which again, speeds up the process, but you've got to be smart and be able to qualify your buyers in return. 
Absolutely. Well, some, yeah. And something else I think you said on the execution part is share your successes with the team members. So if you've got other folks, only because you might say things like, hey, I know the you know, the coffee guy, right? Why don't yeah. you find somebody like that? Because it really helped X, Y, and Z. So sharing internally and stuff. So yeah. I, I'm going to call for the final wrap up because we're getting close to the end. And so Skinder, do you want to go first? Yeah, Joe, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Love the idea of the basics. You know, I mean, uh, as a football guy, the blocking and tackling always resonates. Yeah, it's the thing that's so overlooked everywhere. People just want to get right to the complex. The people that are salespeople, uh, you know, make mountains out of molehills. And the people that aren't salespeople just view it as one of those, you know, things that they despise and think it's beneath them. Um, And I think once they start to understand that there's actually scientific formula to this and you can apply it in a way that works, you know, it's just doing the basics will create success. So I'm I'm glad you highlighted that, Joe. Yeah. Thanks. It's a pleasure. Mike, you want to go next? So Joe, it was an absolute, I enjoyed this conversation. I'm a sales guy. I love talking about sales. I love hashing out the basics because just like Tom Brady, right? When he starts and he yeah. puts on his pads, what does he do? They have a catch. Yeah. And so just reviewing the basics and just talking about the fundamentals was great for me. I'm sure it was great for everybody else. And the biggest thing that I really took away from uh, this was Hey, man, get your stuff together before your sales call, and that'll shorten up your sales cycle. I love that. And just the refresher that, you know, no matter how fancy we think we are, whether we're selling brain surgical software or the latest treatment for prostate cancer, we're in the people business and people's skills matter. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Right on. I I think... Uh, as the product of South Carolina public education, I like when people keep things simple. Um, and, uh, and I, and I'm glad to hear that, right. I'm glad to hear that, um, that it's proven out. I mean, again, it, none of this, none of this is, is brain surgery, right? Not, not rocket surgery. Um, it's, it's very much about just doing the basics well. And if you do that, you get college championships. You, right. You look at Alabama, you look at the great university of Georgia, um, probably greatest team of all time. Could you stop uh, it, please? Yeah, I can't oh, help it. Rank number two, by the way. Rank number two. <laughs> good man. Let's good. not go through that. Good. Please. <laughs> That's so, another time. Yeah. So, Joe, just so you know, I'm a rabid bulldog, and uh, all these other people don't just they like to tear down successful people. So, <laughs> uh, but, but kidding, kidding aside, um, yeah. I think doing the basics is so valuable because we we lose sight of that, and it really does come down to. If you're doing the basics right, everything else gets easy. And you start to yeah. realize that you're overcomplicating so much. Just do what you know are the, the key steps. And then sort of you get lucky from that. So thank you for coming. By the way, we didn't talk about it, but hopefully when we wrap up, you can tell folks where they can get the book. Because um, I know Barbara has done her homework. I'm realizing I need to, to go and get it myself. So I'd like to know how to do that. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the book's available in, in Amazon. Okay. Uh, just Google my name or the title and it's there. Uh, and also, uh, one of the things I've done is um, I'm on the board of Friends of South Florida Autism. I have a son with autism, so I donated a bunch of books uh, to the school 
so that the kids that work in the center there can package them and ship them out. So uh, if you can, so uh, you know the, the book I think is like twelve dollars at Amazon. It's twenty dollars at at uh, Friends of South Florida Autism. So you can just go to Friends of Autism South Florida dot com, and uh, you can buy it there. And it's just a twenty dollar donation that uh, you know it's basically uh, you know one hundred percent of that twenty dollars goes to the center. Uh, to help educate uh, kids over the age of 22 with autism. That's fantastic. So just just to reiterate to people who are at Amazon right now, we'd like for you to not go to Amazon to buy the book. We want you to go yeah. to Friends, <laughs> yeah. of, Autism Friends South. of South Florida Autism. Yeah. And you'll yeah. see a link there to click on the book. Yeah. That's awesome. Easy right. to find. So Joe, we want to thank you for making our 50th podcast so special and awesome. for giving us all the basics, which are audience at MedTech Business Academy just needs reinforcement. Thanks so much, Joe. All right. Thank you, Barb.